Good morning. Lee Henson here, President and Founder of Agile Dads, and welcome to today's edition of the Daily Stand-Up. Without any further ado, let's get started. One of the topics that I often hear in the workspace is about communication and the lack thereof. It's always a story of product owners unattentive, executive leadership is asking us to do too much, teams within the organization aren't communicating well with each other, we are unable to talk directly to our stakeholders. In fact, I remember in one organization, I went in and they had some explicit problems with regard to a single product. They had a product that had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of features. And what they couldn't understand is that the market share was very, very low. And uh, even with all those features, it just felt like people didn't necessarily want to use that product or service. But the product owner had 25 years experience in the industry. But the problem was he hadn't been fully engaged as a representative of that industry at a at a doer level, at a worker level for a number of years. So to set the stage, we have a, a large product. We have a product owner with years and years of experience, but they haven't been engaged at the worker level in some time. And they were constantly being challenged. Hey, do you think this will be a great, you know, do you think this will be a good idea or a good feature to add to the product? Do you think this will be something that people would use? Or, you know, what about this? You know, and every time this particular product owner would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Or, yeah, that's a great idea. So what would happen over time is they built this large heavyweight product. Well, I remember going to a trade show and seeing this product introduced, and I was hoping to talk to people who are underground workers, but what I quickly discovered was that the only people at the trade show were all the leaders and all the managers, and it just drove me crazy. I was like, all the leaders and managers are making all these critical decisions about a product or service, and these are the people who are buying the product or service, but they're not the people who are using the product or service. And when the people who use the product or service are reporting negative things back to the people who buy the product or service, these people are all attending this trade show or conference to try to find the new product or service that they're going to use to replace the one that nobody's using. It's just so frustrating because it becomes a cyclical loop. So one of the things that I planned and I discovered was that with all the leadership there, it was going to be easy for me to go back into the workplace and to have those developers and have those people who built the product or service to go on the front line and observe the people who actually used it. So against the better wishes of the company or against the wishes of the company at all, which I don't recommend, I sent this team out to go on the front line and to watch and to witness how the people use this product. And what they quickly discovered is out of the 400 plus features that this product had, that the teams were only using or the, the individuals who were using the product were only using five of the features five to six in most cases. I thought it might be a fluke, so we ex expanded the people that we went and watched, and we are, uh, we absolutely discovered that the total number of features being used ranged somewhere in eight to ten. And that was frustrating to think that these team members spent all that time building these features and additions to the product and integrations, only to discover that after all their hard work, only 8 to 10 of the features that they built were being used in application. It was frustrating at best. So we ended up telling the team members, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to introduce a scale-back version of the product called a light version, and we're going to see if that has a little more market traction. And what we quickly discovered was the product owner got really frustrated because they thought that we were trying to cannibalize the product and take it away and have it leave the marketplace. But this product with only 3 to 4% market penetration 
quickly became a product with 75% market penetration when we introduced the lightweight model. Now, people might be asking, you know, how did it happen so quickly? The number one comment that we got or piece of feedback was that, you know, it's so easy to use. Everything that we use is right here on one screen. We absolutely love it. And I think that sometimes instead of trying to focus on simplifying and making everything on one screen and making it something that everyone loves to use and something that's easy to use, we spend all of our time focusing on what can we do to make it bigger, better, faster, stronger. We focus on trying to build these large behemoth systems with hundreds and thousands of features. In other words, instead of trying to build a simple tool that everyone will use, we try to build a large complex system that will be embraced and have something for everyone. So I guess the the message that I'm trying to send here is, or the question I should assume, is it better to have something smaller or multiple smaller things that are everything to the people that are using it, everything that they want and need, or is it better to have one large unit that's something to everyone but not all inclusive? I know what you're thinking. <laughs> You must be following me and looking over my shoulder because this is something that happens in every single organization that we go to. This lack of communication, this lack of understanding between you know, the people who are building the product, the people who are using the product, and the people who are governing the building of the product. It's just amazing to me. And I think that this all traces back to one common thread. The common thread that it traces back to is how products or services are funded and how they are how we go through the discovery phase. So the truth is, in successful organizations that are implementing Agile, they go through four phases of delivery, which is which which those four phases, each of the four phases, is tied to a uh, a round of funding. So the first round of funding comes with ideation. This is where anyone on the team can say, "Hey, I have a good idea, and I want to vet it out." You know, a small amount of money should be set aside to allow team members to vet out new ideas so that we can continue to have resilience and creativity. We want to make sure that each team member feels like what they're contributing has great value and that people are you know, excited about the upcoming features that could be part of the product or service or could spin off into a small product uh, that's an addendum that you know more people could use and love. The second phase has to do with creating the MVP, the Minimal Viable Product. It's just a prototype, a proof of concept. It's a quick and dirty. It's let's show that this makes sense. So let's take this this idea and let's build out something that shows, hey, this this really will make a difference and it is something that's viable and it does make sense and it's something that people can touch and feel and and understand and and get their head around. And I think that once we get to that point, it'll be real easy for us to uh, you know, decide, okay, yes, uh, with a no or go, no go, right? It'll be easy for us to decide, yes, it's worth investing more in or not. The big advantage of those two phases that we just talked about is that they're very inexpensive. Neither one of those phases are costly. Uh, it's something that we do need to invest in, ideation and in the discovery phase, so we can discover who our target consumers are, uh, what what are they trying to do. We could do a user journey map or a user story map to try to figure out how they're going to implement or use our product or service. The third most expensive phase is usually right where we jump in, and that's build-out, where we're trying to build out all the features, right? And that is the most expensive phase, but yet we spend so much time there because we want to make sure we nail the exact right features, only to discover 
that oftentimes we overbuild, like in a story I told you before, or we underbuild, or we don't build the right thing, or we don't have the right level of consumer satisfaction. It just becomes a frustrating whirlwind of mess. And then finally, you have the delivery phase. How are we going to release this to our consumer? How is it going to hit the market? Uh, you know, what funds are we allocating or setting aside to make sure that we, you know, get a clean, smooth delivery? And then, do we have funds set aside to or allocated for uh, any kind of enhancements or any kind of adjustments that need to be made to the product or service? I find that when organizations break it, break their projects down into these four phases, whether they're small or large. It just makes the projects run a lot smoother. And I know what many of you are thinking, well, how does that tie to Agile? Well, indeed it does. It ties to identifying key personas. It ties to creating a clear vision and strategy. It ties to user journey mapping and to user story mapping. The pieces that we often forget to help us before we get to that build-out phase to make sure that we don't end up with a product that's super bloated with a service that no one will use or with a multi-million dollar project that we discover is 96% unusable. And I can tell you, being on the front lines, I've seen that happen more times than I care to say. I feel like following these practices would help make executives and leaders happy because they would have their head better around what's being used, how it's being used, and where we're going with it. It would help teams be happier because the teams and organizations would feel more confident in the products and services that they're building and they know that the end consumers are actually using the product or service and they'd have greater happiness and satisfaction. And I think that it would help us through discovery to know when to phase things out or when to phase in new features and how we're going to handle certain situations that occur. It's just going to give us a much more clear vision about what's happening with regard to our product and service so that we can frequently inspect and adapt and come back to make sure that whatever we're doing is going to be in the best interest of our target consumers. Well, that'll do it for today. I hope you found that information useful. There's so much to talk about with regard to that. I know we hit on a lot of topics there. Uh, we'll come back and we'll revisit some of those topics in a later podcast. For now, I am Lee Henson, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you have, you know, we, we encourage you to go on and like and comment and subscribe and do all those things that are necessary in order to help sustain us. We really appreciate that. We realize now, while we have a lot of time, that this is the best time for us to sharpen our saw. So if you have a chance, go ahead and visit AgileDad.com. We've got lots of links there, YouTube videos. Uh, we have lots of information and white papers that you can download. And, of course, we have scheduled training and free webinars that are coming up in the near future. We encourage you to sign up for those as well. For today, we want to say thank you. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a wonderful day. Stay healthy, stay well, and stay agile. Until next time.